0: There's something we're going to be seeing in the Scripture. I'll mention it in just a moment. Meanwhile, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm 63. But you can actually hear it in the hymns of today, including Amazing Grace. You know, God is is so good. And I just thought, you know, I have the theme for this year. We're going to be looking to that next uh, next Sunday. But as I have told you before, for months now, this phrase from Psalm sixty-three has just been absolutely blessing. Please understand, I do not say this bragging. I I, I don't. It's because I've recognized my need. But at my home office and in the office here in the church, I have sat for hours just meditating on this phrase. Look at Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, Thou art my God. I want us to pray, and before we go on into other scripture, I, I pray that we just get a sense of what it does for our hearts, what it opens up in our minds, when we consider the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is our world. God, my God, your God, personally, O oh God, Thou art my God. Heavenly Father, please step in, Echo by your Spirit. Open our hearts, open our eyes, I pray we invite you in. Lord, as we begin a new year, we desire to begin it in the best way, giving praise and glory to our God, recognizing your presence, recognizing all that you've done for us, giving you glory. And we pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. Oh God, thou art my God. I want you to just pause, to think. All of us in reading our Bibles, we have recognized stories. We have thrilled at some of them. Early on, if we grew up with it, we're thinking about. David and or Daniel in the exactly every place you see a man called of God or a woman, you see a reliance. And in that reliance, you can tell so much in the response. Which is what we see here. Now, I I, I love this. This is, this was, this was great. In the realization and its reliance as well, in the realization, people love to talk about the realization of what God is, the reliance upon Him, and the response. Wednesday night, Antonio gets up. And he's preaching Wednesday night. And he starts talking about what Paul said in the book of Philippians. My God shall supply all your need. I thought that was wonderful. You know, with all the prayer that we give up, and there are a lot of people that are hurting in here. There are are people that are not here this morning. Because of difficulties, because of pain, etc. Because of all those prayers that go up, we begin to learn what the people in God's Word were. That reliance, that realization that comes and how we respond to it because He intercedes everybody who prays biblically, gets an answer. Everyone. Concerning the words of David, I want you to understand, why, preacher, why is it that this has spoken to you so much? I'm going to try and paint a little bit of a picture of that. In doing so, I want to remind you of something that was said of David just before he died. In 2 Samuel 23, verse 1, it says this. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. David wrote psalms. He wrote music on purpose. This was not happenstance. David mused through these things. How many of us have thrilled when it comes to the 23rd Psalm? Lord is my shepherd. That wasn't just something that got into his mind and he, he scribbled it out. He's looking at the sheep and he's realizing, he's remembering how he works with the sheep and what his God has done with him. And he says, you know something? The Lord is my shepherd. And if there's one thing I have found out, this, because of his care, I shall want. When he penned the Psalms, he was given by God Holy Spirit Wisdom, this was not just something to write so he could sell whatever it was that he put out. This was from a walk with the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the forefathers the 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 people that he identified with who were the reason why there were a people known as the Israelites, as he viewed, it was not just, again, a vain attempt to write. It was a heartfelt thought when he said, O God, Thou art my God. And in fact, in the writing, he reflected on just what God had done for him, because in the Hebrew, he writes this, O Elohim, which is the name of God, thou art my El. That is the name of God that speaks of power. O God, thou art my mighty one. Let me ask you, is God your mighty one? Or is he just a figment of your imagination when it comes to what you really want to see done. I, I, I'm not trying to belittle anybody in what they think, but please understand, God's people need to think biblically. We need to see God as he is, not as what our circumstances paint. This was not the only time that David uttered these words, my God, in Psalm 25 too. And when I say this, when I read this, I'm going to get half of you singing, and I'm going to lose you. Because a well-known song says this, 25-2, O my God, I trust in Thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. And I've already lost Cheryl. Psalm 30, verse 2, O Lord my God, I cried unto Thee, and Thou hast healed me. Psalm 38, verse 21, Forsake me not, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. There's also a psalm that was a prophecy of what Christ would say on the cross. The 22nd Psalm, some of us understand that that is replete with prophetic utterances of the coming of Christ. Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's Matthew 27, 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken Turn to, if you would please, Nehemiah chapter nine. Nehemiah chapter nine. You know, in, in, in remembering, And stopping and remembering, like we're going to see with David, and remembering what our God has done, you can't do any better than this passage with Nehemiah. Here was a man called of God, came to the place that had been taken apart. Because of their sin, the city was destroyed. Now they're back. They're rebuilding their gate. They're going to be rebuilding the temple. But listen, he has gathered God's people. We're catching this halfway through. He's already started praying. But look at verse seven. We're going to stop start there. Excuse me. Nehemiah prays, "Thou art the Lord, the God." And now listen to what he starts to recount. Who did choose Abram and broughtest him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave us him the name Abraham. And foundest his heart faithful before thee, and madeest a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Jebusites, and the Girgashites, to give it, I say, to his seed, and hast performed thy words, for thou art righteous. And didst see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heardest their cry by the Red Sea, and show its signs and wonders upon Pharaoh and on all his servants and on all the people of his land, for thou knewest that they dealt proudly against him. I love this phrase. So didst thou get thee a name as it is this day. Now, you know what's great? God had gotten a name hundreds of years before. Nehemiah is remembering this. Folks, can I tell you something? Our God still has those names. If you've ever studied the names of God, He is our banner. His banner over me is love. He is our mighty one. He is our Savior. There's so much more there. We've got to keep going. But understand what just took place here. There is a realization and a response. We realize, God, who you are. This is my response, Lord, this is the, name, the names that you have gotten. You made yourself a name, and that's who we rely on. Think about this. You need not turn to it. In the book of Exodus, Moses is being confronted by God. You're going to go in and rescue these people out of Egypt, he's telling Moses. And, and Moses says, who should I say has sent me? And the Lord says this in Exodus 3.14, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now, think about this. I'm going to be quoting somebody here soon a name that speaks what he is in himself. This is our God. Commentator wrote this, quote, This explains his name, Jehovah, and signifies first that he is self-existent. Folks, that's our God. He has his being of himself and has no dependence upon any other. God did not have to create mankind. Why? That's a whole different subject. But I do know this. In the beginning, the self-existent one created the heavens and the earth. Stop and consider this. And being self-existent, he cannot but be self-sufficient. And therefore, all-sufficient And the inexhaustible fountain of being. Secondly, that he is eternal and unchangeable, always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. He will be what he will be and what he is. Please understand the gods that were looked to in old times, they were known as being peevish. If a storm like last night If a storm like last night came through, oh, our God is angry with us. If the crops dried up, we did something wrong, we've got to sacrifice something or someone. If the rain is good and the crops come back, oh, our God is pleased with us. Praise his name. Our God is displayed in Christ Jesus, who the Bible tells us is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. You read your Bible, and the God that you read is still that God today. God so loved, guess what? God still loves. He's merciful. He's gracious, but He's also holy. He's our God. Thirdly, He is faithful and true to all his promises, unchangeable in his word as well as in his nature. That's what the name, I am that I am, tells us. Now think of it. We're here right now before that God. You know how we can know how to live before him? to know his character, to see how people in old times responded to him. Think of it. There's a book that Jim Byrd put out called God is More Than Enough. We have copies of it. And he made a great statement. He said, we must labor to find out what is true according to God. Repent of believing anything else Reject any deviation from it and cling to the things that are true about God no matter what happens. I think that's a great statement. We don't need to just float through life with no purpose, no desires that come from our God. We can know not only where we're going when we die, we can know why we're still here. I, I got to thinking about this. In fact, I woke up during the night and so wound up musing about this somewhat. When I first came here in 1991, it's like, okay, we've got to work on themes, you know, every year. Here we go. And for those of you that were here, I don't know if, if the uh, Vivian, if you can remember this or not. In, uh, in 1993, doesn't that seem like a lifetime ago? I thought, I know what I'm going to do. There's a guy by the name of Wearsby. He put together a B series. I thought, I'll use a little bit of his material. So we had this big banner across here. Willing to be in 93. I don't know how many would remember that. Most of you weren't here anyway. So I got to thinking, okay, what should I do? You know, I, okay, 23 and me. No, wait a minute. That's an ancestry thing. Y'all read that, you know, that that kind of thing. So, willing to be in 23. Now, I like what we're going to be doing, and I'll tell you about it next week. But the year 2023, amazing. We can still find out who our God is. You and I, please, I have had such a good time ever since, ever since just meditating. On Psalm 63-1, I have had such a good time exploring the depth of our God. It has been a joy to be at His feet and looking up to Him, folks, and talking to Him and asking about Him. You can do the same. And I have learned things deeper of him because I have come to this realization and at his feet, I have meditated on this fact. Thou art my God. He loves me. He's got me for a purpose. He's got you for a purpose. Consider that. Yeah, but you know, I'm such and such an age. So what? As long as he has given you breath, and as far as I can tell, most people are breathing in here. As long as he gives you breath, he gives you purpose. He gives you salvation. And that salvation is for a reason. Andrew Murray said this, It is the faith that continually closes its eyes to the weakness of the creature and finds its joy in the sufficiency of an almighty Savior that makes the soul strong and glad. People, if you just sit around and think this, I can't, I can't, I can't. Guess what? You won't. But if you get your eyes on him, there's the key. Andrew Murray nailed it. We just talked about amazing grace. I love that. And you know, one of my favorite verses is Second Corinthians 12. My grace Is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. At this very moment, you are here and you can understand his word because his grace is sufficient. And if you don't and you desire more, he gives grace grace. It's amazing to me. The Bible tells us he gives us the grace to be able to use and and grasp and embrace his grace. His grace is sufficient. We don't have to sound like the psalmist. In down times, as David said in Psalm 42, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. That's what we can do. No wonder at another time David wrote in Psalm 94, the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. You know, I I don't want you, you, you don't have to sing it out right now, but let me ask you something. What's your favorite promise of God? If you don't have a promise, at least one that you're clinging to, you're just barely keeping your head above water and maybe not even doing that. But when you come to recognize the God who is your God, and folks, we have come to a point, we might as well face it. We're coming to a point where in coming into the new year, we're not going, wow, this is great. It's going to be great to see what the new year brings. We are responding instead, Oh, Lord, please, may it not be like the last one. How many of you recognize that 21 wound up being like 20? And 22 wound up being like 21? Guess what? Satan is alive and well and doing his worst in this world. And we don't have to live by his playbook, because God is our God. Go to Mark Four, would you please? Mark Chapter Four. Now, again that realization and response. Look at verse 37. This is Mark 4. Look at verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind. We're catching the whole thing in, in, you know, all the way through, already through somewhat the story. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Verse 38, Mark 4. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not? that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind kept blowing. Wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That is our God. If our God had so desired it, last night he could have said, Peace be still and it would have been calm. Nah, nah, No, it would have been calm. That's our God. What the world, some of the world, what they're looking for right now is a circus act. Oh, yeah, well, if he can do this, well, let me see him jump, you know, kind of like Satan did, you know, if thou be the son of God. No, that's not our God. We trust in this, that he is fulfilling his purposes. At this moment, his purpose was this, to give us an account of these men who saw him do a great miracle, and they sat there and said, My soul, who is this man, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And we can look in God's word and go, He's my God, that's who he is. He's mine. He's yours too. Again, stop and think of what Paul sought to share. Philippians 4. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, how could he say that? I'll tell you how, and we'll see it later on when we read something else from him. He had learned about this Savior that had calmed the winds, that had calmed the sea. And not only that, he had learned about this Savior that met him and knew exactly who he was and what he was doing, and he blinded him momentarily to stop him Say, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He knew. So he comes to us like he did to the people in Philippi. Hey, listen, don't worry about it. Trust God. Trust in God. I love what Spurgeon said. We're going to be getting to the 63rd Psalm here again soon. Psalm 81.10. I am the Lord thy God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. I love what Spurgeon wrote here concerning that verse. Have large expectations of God. Now let's stop right there because I'm guilty of it as well, and maybe you are too. When things get difficult, We don't have large expectations of God. Now, we go to God and we say, God, help, but we don't often go believing. We ought to have large expectations of God in 2023. Because he had his way in 2022. Have you noticed that there's a lot of people that have stepped into eternity recently? Well known people. Barbara Walters, a lady that I heard on television. She came out just flippantly. No, I don't believe the Bible is God's word. She does now. And I don't say I, I don't say that flippantly. But you stop and consider there are people right now that have stepped into eternity. Well-known people, they're going, oh my. Bob, like you said, one more time. Oh, have large expectations of God and offered large prayers to him. Then shall great things be your joyful portion. Who would not ask largely if he believed that his request would be granted in the matter of prayer to God if we be stinted, it is for ourselves. For God has not straightened us in his promise. God isn't being a cheap God. He, he's, he's not showing a weakness. He says, come then, let those of us who are believers plead for the salvation of the whole family, the servants and the neighbors. Let our prayer during this day be on a great scale Men sin hugely. Let us pray abundantly. Would you please go back to the 63rd Psalm? David has focused on the person of God, that's his realization. O God, Thou art my God. Now, I'm not going to go into it in depth. I just want us to go through and see the places that David goes to because of this realization. O God, Thou art my God. Now, David focuses concerning his presence. God's presence, early will I seek thee because you are my God, I want you. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. And then David focuses concerning God's power. Verse two, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Now, there's something you're going to notice here that we need to take to heart. When David, in his realization, as he has meditated and he recognizes God is my God, he doesn't then immediately launch into a laundry list of, Would you do this, do this, do this? This is why I said, this is worship time. He thinks of God's presence. Do you realize that our God is here right now? Now let that be a precious moment. The God of heaven is in this building. Right here. Why? How do I know that? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. His spirit would come and dwell within us. That's a joy when it comes to his presence. But let's continue. To see thy power and thy glory, so I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. See, this is the response. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Lord, because of your power, it's it's like I wrote in the 23rd Psalm, I shall not want. But let's continue. His performance just like Nehemiah chapter nine, look at verse six. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings, will I rejoice. Again, realization and response. My soul. I love this verse. This is great. My soul. Followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Do you realize what that verse is saying? While we are pursuing God, He lifts us up so that we can keep on keeping on. Listen to it. My soul followeth hard after thee. Oh, I'm going to fail. No, 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 no. He says, come on. I'll help you. Come on. Come on. Keep going. Keep going. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. I don't need to sit back and fear about my enemies. My God is going to take care of them. And then his praise. Look at verse 11 but the king shall rejoice. The realization of his God finally brings him a culmination to this. God, I'm going to praise you. Folks, there is no better way to start the year 2023 than praising God for how our God has been since the time that he looked out into the void and said, let there be light. Let it sink in. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. There are those out there right now. I saw this... Bill Nye, the science guy, <laughs> and he's anything but science. He was invited to the ark there in Kentucky. And Ken Ham, you know, took him through and showed him, was very kind to him. And then Bill Nye got on YouTube and mocked him. And I got to listening to some of that, and Bill Nye had no idea how much of a fool he sounded like. You know, there's going to come a time when they recognize who our God is. I got a good idea. Starting today, can we recognize with all our heart who our God is? I want to take you to one more place and then we're gone. We're done. Except for this. Go to Philippians 4, would you? Philippians chapter 4. And then the meal. I don't know. My tongue gets tumbled. My tongue gets ahead of my head. Listen to David's words. Excuse me, um, Paul's words. I love this. Not that I speak, verse 11, Philippians 4, not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. One time I was reading this and I got to reading one of my favorite commentators, Albert Barnes. On the passage that that we just read, he wrote this and it was so thrilling to read it. I want you to listen carefully to as he meditated on this, how Barnes responded. Of the strength which Christ can impart, Paul had had abundant experience. And now his whole reliance was there. It was not in any native ability which he had, not in any rigor of body or of mind, not in any power which there was in his own resolutions. It was in the strength that he derived from the Redeemer. By that he was enabled to bear cold, fatigue, and hunger. By that he met temptations and persecution. And by that he engaged in the performance of his arduous duty. Let us learn hence, number one, that we need not sink under any trial, for there is one who can strengthen us. Number two, that we need not yield to temptation. There is one who is able to make a way for our escape. Number three, that we need not be harassed and vexed and tortured with improper thoughts and unholy desires, there is one who can enable us to banish such thoughts from the mind and restore the right balance to the affections of the soul. Number four, that we need not dread what is to come. Trials, temptations, poverty, want, persecution, They may await us, but we need not sink into despondency. At every step of life, Christ is able to strengthen us and can bring us triumphantly through. What a privilege it is, therefore, to be a Christian, to feel in the trials of life that we have one friend, Unchanging and most mighty who can always help us. How cheerfully should we engage in our duties and meet the trials that are before us leaning on the arm of our almighty Redeemer? Let us not shrink from duty. Let us not dread the persecution. Let us not fear the bed of death. In all circumstances, Christ Our unchanging friend can uphold us. Let the eye and the affections of the heart be fixed on him. Let the simple, fervent, believing prayer be directed always to him when trials come, when temptations assail, when duty presses hard upon us, and when a crowd of unholy and forbidden thoughts rush into the soul and we shall be saved. Oh God, thou art my God. Think about it. The same God that we read in the book of Exodus, the same God that guided Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, The very, same, God is here. This building right now. And he loves us. Individual. Corporate. And he is here for us. And he says, call unto me and I will answer thee. Say it with me and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Jeremiah 33 3. If you don't know the verse, learn.